Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Look at Acts. <laughs> that should be familiar. If your Bible hasn't fallen open to Acts by now, I don't know how to help you. You know, you probably, I don't know if you've, uh, what do you call it, bookmarked it on your electronic stuff. But Acts chapter 18, verses 23 through 28, we're going to come up alongside of a guy this morning named Apollos. <laughs> How's that for a preacher's name, right? Apollos. I love it. He was some kind of guy. And uh, it's neat how God used Priscilla and Aquila to come alongside of him and, and encourage him and strengthen him. And I, I just want to share with you in this time that we have this morning and in this age that we're in, I think we need to hear this over and over and over again because I think in the midst of a world that seems to be literally turning upside down, right? Ireland voting in gay marriage. I mean, just <laughs> you name it, right? You look around and you go, do what? It's amazing. But in our day and age, when we have the opportunity to know Christ, to follow him, to be in his word, I think there's something that we know, and that is that the word of God strengthens and deepens, and don't miss this last part, those willing to learn. Those willing to learn. We talk about discipleship a lot. We talk about what is discipleship and how are we discipling? How is God discipling us? Mission trips are just an opportunity to be discipled by God in a different way. A lot of times we think of discipleship as coming here and, and being a part of class, and that's part of it. This is a discipleship time. Maybe you're in a mentoring relationship, and that's a discipleship time. Right? We're called to make disciples. The problem we've got as believers is we've made discipleship all about us. And the truth is, is discipleship is the banner where two things take place, evangelism and equipping. And equipping is life transformation in the word of God as we walk with God and we learn to listen to the Lord and we learn to walk with the Lord in the midst of life so that through us, there's a testimony, there's a witness to the lost. And so we get to participate in evangelism. We may not have the gift of evangelism, but all of us are called to make disciples, which includes bringing people to the cross as well as teaching them from the cross. It involves both evangelism and equipping. So if we become stagnant on one and we leave the other out, <laughs> we got problems. If we become totally evangelistic, but we never teach, we're a mile wide and an inch deep. If we become totally focused in on our own personal growth with Christ, but we never have the opportunity to have Christ spill out through us, we become stagnant. We can become Pharisees. We start looking down at everybody else. Look how good we are. Folks, there's balance in this. And I love this because the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that knows how to balance us. The Lord Jesus Christ, the only one that not only knows how to balance us individually, but he knows how to balance us as a body of believers. And he knows the pendulum swings that we're prone to, and he knows how to bring us right to where he's at, following him, walking in him, trusting him, being available to him, growing in him. We're going to see discipleship at work in the midst of the life of Apollos. Three things. The word strengthens, solidifies, and secures. The word strengthens, solidifies, and secures. If you look at Acts chapter 18, you look at verse 23. Let's start there. 
Having spent some time there, he left and passed successfully through the Galatian region and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now, this is the beginning of the third missionary journey, and it's a unique one. The first one, he was going into uncharted territory. Second one, he went into uncharted territory. He was missional in every sense of the word. He was planting churches. People were coming to know Christ. He was sharing the gospel as an apostle. He was helping take a message specifically to these people who had never heard the name of Christ, didn't know anything about the Old Testament for the most part. And we see churches being planted, people getting saved, people being baptized, people being added to the church all the time. This third missionary journey is a bit different. He's going back to the places that he's already been. And what's he doing? He's strengthening people. Now, how's he doing that? How's he doing that? We know Paul pretty well, I would think, I would hope. I would suggest to you that he's making sure they understand the gospel. He's making sure they understand grace. He's making sure that they're not getting back up under legalism. They're not getting back up under the law. They're not trying to live this life according to their own strength, but they're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're walking by grace. Folks, that's Paul's message. All through the New Testament, it's not just one particular book. It's all over the place. How do we strengthen believers? We remind them that our strength is not in us, it is in Christ. It is in the Lord. It's in what he's able to do in and through us. Because our reliance is not upon programs or what we can achieve for God. Our reliance is upon the Lord. It's on him. And Paul's going back through all these different places and he's reminding them of what they had believed and as you have believed So now walk ye in him. How did you believe? By faith, through grace. How are you to walk? By faith, through grace. He went to Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and Poseidon. Not Antioch in Syria. That's where he's left from. That was a launching place of each of these missionary journeys. Poseidon, he goes through all these regions. And the word strengthening literally means to support, to place firmly upon something, to make sure that it's secure, to make sure that it's strong, to cause someone to be strengthened or more firm. How? In the faith. In the faith. Who is God and who has he declared you to be? You know, it's fascinating. Those two questions will change your life. They will also shape your life. What you say, who God is, And what you say and how you respond to what God has said about you and who you are will change everything. Because if you understand that it's by grace that God loves you no matter what, that God's love is unconditional, and that you are a child of the king, not because of anything that you could do, but because the Lord Jesus Christ himself has done something for us, it changes everything. It takes all the insecurities out. We're free to fail. We don't sin that grace may abound. Paul made that very clear. Some of you are already going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, believe me, I get it. I'm human too. I'd love to be able to say, well, I'm under grace. I can go live whatever way I want. No, no, no. Grace is a good and righteous boundary where God himself empowers us to do as we should. It's not the license to go live whatever way we want. That's nonsense. That's license. The other side of that is legalism. We're very good at pointing out the legalists. But sometimes we love 
to have our rights. We like to walk by license. Grace empowers us to walk as we should because of Christ in us and through us. So he's strengthening them. Interesting to me, what does Paul say here? He's strengthening all the what? All the whom? Does he say believers? Are disciples believers? Oh, come on. Heaven's sakes. Did you get hit by water this morning or what? (laughs) Are disciples believers? Thank you. Yes. Here's a harder question. Are all believers disciples? See, (laughs) the requirement for salvation is what? To believe. To believe. The Pharisees came to the Lord and the Lord... (laughs) They were all proud and pompous, and they said, what are the works of God that we can work them? As if they could, as if we could. And the Lord said, this is the work of God, to believe. And I'll summarize the rest, on the Lord Jesus Christ, on the one that he has sent, to believe. As you have received the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did we receive him? By believing How do we walk in him? By believing, trusting, resting, yielding, surrendering, walking with the Lord. In the midst of this, he says he was strengthening the disciples. Now, clearly they are believers. The requirements for discipleship are many. The requirements... To be saved and be part of the kingdom of God is one, which is to believe. The requirement to be a disciple is a lot. There's an acknowledgement that we've got to check out what it is that we've gotten into. That we've got to look at it and and say, is this where I want to go? The Lord says, "You, you better love me more than your family, more than your parents, more than anything. You need to be willing to leave everything to follow me. That's discipleship. Praise God for his grace that as we yield to him in that, he gives us the very strength that is necessary in order to even follow him. But here he's saying that he was strengthening the disciples. I think that's key. A disciple is somebody who is willing to learn. You you may have heard uh, the the term discipleship uh, be defined as perhaps a student or or somebody who is a mentoree, somebody who is with a leader and is taking on the things that that leader has to say and listening and, and incorporating that into their lives and all those things are very true. But inherent within that idea is willingness. You can't learn unless you want to. You can't learn unless you're willing to. All of that is involved in this, and I think Luke is making it very clear that that Paul is going back, he's very concerned about false doctrine creeping into the church, legalism creeping into the church. He's going back, and he's warning and warning and warning about the potential of wolves coming into the flock that would cause disruption in the flock from the precious Reality of the grace of Christ. And he's strengthening the disciples, those who are willing to listen. The word of God deepens and strengthens those who are willing to listen. Boy, that's a heart check, isn't it? Are we willing to listen? 
are we willing to learn? Are we willing to grow? Whatever it takes. It's not just here on Sunday mornings or maybe in a K group, which I encourage, obviously. It's not just on a Wednesday night. It's every day. Life is a school. And God's supremely sovereign over every aspect of it. Are we willing to learn in the midst of it? What circumstance are you going through right now that you're going, oh, Lord, if you would just get rid of this in my life, it would be a whole lot easier to follow you. And it's the very thing that God's allowed in your life in order to disciple you more. Or maybe there's a person in your life that drives you crazy. You see them coming and you just go, oh, man, Lord, where's the escape hatch? Get me out of here. I've always wanted to fly in an F-16. Stephanie thinks I'm nuts. She told me, no way, you'll throw up. I said, I don't care. <laughs> so, but I think, I think what's crazy is when those guys are going like they're going and then they hit that escape pod, you know? Boom, off they go. That's something. You got somebody in your life that you wish at that moment you could hit the eject button? You could pull it? Isn't that the reality? Come on, no, nobody, nobody, right? God's grace is sufficient. God is always discipling us. The question is, are we willing to listen? I'm so thankful for my son and my daughter. I I think discipleship is such an amazing picture, right? I feel complete as a father because my son is a Cowboys fan. (laughs) And my daughter loves to read, (laughs) They've watched me. They know my passion. They know what I love. And it's fun to watch them having taken those things on. You know, when we're being discipled by Christ, what happens? We take on the things that our Father loves. And we begin to walk in it. We begin to grow in it. Because God is transforming us first and foremost in the inside so that through us, he begins to be revealed. Well, the word strengthens, it also solidifies. And in verse 24, we find out about a special guy named Apollos. He says, a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. Wow. Wouldn't that be awesome if all of us had that said of us? Mighty in the scriptures. He understood the word of God. He had been taught the word of God. It had transformed him. He was eloquent in his speech. He was able to convey truth in a powerful way. Awesome. Every preacher looks at Apollos and goes, oh, come on, man. You're killing me. Because that's the heartbeat behind all of this. First of all, we find out that he's Jewish. He's fully aware of the Old Testament, the law, the history, the prophets. That's why Luke says what he says. He has a very strong perspective and grounding as a Jewish individual, a Jewish man in the law. He is Alexandrian by birth, Alexandria of Egypt. The Greek influence there is massive. It was founded by Alexander the Great. It was a very cosmopolitan city, had about 600,000 people living there. There were people from all over the world that would go to Alexandria because of the great learning that they could have. They had one of the largest libraries, if not the largest library in the world, 700,000 volumes at that time. Massive. 
for that particular day and that age. Says he was very educated, says that he was very eloquent. The word eloquent means learned, it means intelligent, it means the ability to communicate his knowledge with effectiveness. He was an orator, he was skilled in this. There's the background. This man knows the word of God. This man is very gifted at communicating the word of God. He's very learned and intelligent. He goes on, he says, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. Instructed literally means to be taught. Almost the idea of a catechism. Almost the idea of rote memory. He understood massive amounts of scripture and he was able to share that clearly with intelligence. It says he was fervent in the spirit. Means zealous, overflowing, dynamic. Actually, the word is used of of boiling water. You know, when water begins to boil, it takes a little bit longer here in high altitude, but when it finally gets there, what happens? It starts bubbling up, bubbling up. That's what he was like. He must have been phenomenal to watch. All over the place. Passionate, zealous, (laughs) intelligent. He was fervent in spirit. And he says he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. Wow, this is a mouthful. Luke has given us a shotgun approach to what this guy's background is, who he is, and he says something here that we ought to take note of rapidly and understand it as Christians. Being acquainted only, the word only means only, With what? The baptism of John. It puts a frame around Apollos' message. There's a limit to how much he actually knew. In spite of all his knowledge and in spite of all his ability, in spite of his understanding, even of Jesus himself, there was a limit to how much he understood concerning Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the church which had begun at Pentecost, only puts that into perspective. Well, what does baptism mean? We're Baptists. I hope we understand this. I'm not talking about being dunked under, which that's something we do by water. By the way, if you do a word search on baptism, it means to be immersed. It also has the idea of being identified with, which is exactly what Luke is saying right now, that he was, Apollos was identified with the baptism of John, what John was preaching What John had been preaching is what Apollos was preaching. And it was limited in its scope. I think it's important to understand what John was preaching. He was the forerunner of Christ. He was the preparer of the way for Christ. He had a specific message of repentance for the Jewish nation. Why? When he kept telling them to repent, what was he saying to them? You have broken the law. You are lawbreakers. You need to repent of that. And here's the key. You need to look forward to the coming of the Messiah who alone is able to wash you and cleanse you by his blood of your sins. You need to look forward to the one who's coming, the Messiah, the Christ. You need to believe in him because he alone is able to forgive 
your sin. Repent simply means stop and listen. Take note of what's being exposed by the law in your life. You're a lawbreaker. And no matter how many bulls and no matter how many sheep you kill, it is insufficient. God has sent the lamb who has come to take away the sin of the world. And he, the lamb, alone is able to save, to forgive you of sin. Stop and listen to what God has to say and believe And here's the difference on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's very clear here that Apollos understood that. It says that he was teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. He understood what John had said about Jesus. He understood that Jesus was a lamb. He understood that Jesus had come in order to take away the sin of the world. But that's where it stopped. He believed in the coming of Jesus and what Jesus alone could do. But he had not yet heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He had not yet heard or understood the church, which started at Pentecost. I think that's an amazing moment. He's a believer, he's on his way to heaven, but he begins to teach in the synagogue and Priscilla and Aquila are sitting there and they're listening to this guy and I can only imagine what Priscilla and Aquila were thinking. Wow, this guy is on the path. He believes in Jesus, but we need to help him understand even more the gospel of grace. Warren Wiersbe is a tremendous theologian. I don't know if you know him or not. He was a part, he was a pastor up in Moody for years, written who knows how many books. He's got the B series, Be Available, right? Be whatever. I mean, there's like 26 books on it. He's written all kinds of stuff. He puts it in this way. Acts chapter 19, 1 through 5, explains that John's baptism looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, while Christian baptism looks back to the finished work of Christ. What a beautiful picture. Here's a brother that had a limited amount of knowledge and he was zealous in all that he had. And here comes Priscilla and Aquila to come alongside of him and to help him be deepened in his understanding of the gospel of grace, of the church, of what Christ had done, of the indwelling presence of God himself in our lives through the Holy Spirit. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I love this. Priscilla and Aquila have been where with the Apostle Paul? They've been in Corinth, right, for at least 18 months. What was Paul doing in the life of Priscilla and Aquila? Wasn't he discipling them? Of course he was. He was teaching them. He was training them. They got to watch his life. They got to watch how he handled all the circumstances. They saw Crispus come to the Lord along with his whole household. They saw Paul before all the governors and all the different things that were going on. They saw Paul in action. Not only did they get to learn what the word of God has to say about the Lord Jesus Christ and that the Old Testament verifies that Jesus is the Messiah, they got to watch the apostle in action. What a blessing. They were discipled by him. So much so that when Paul left Ephesus to go on to Jerusalem and then on to Antioch and then to begin his third missionary journey, he left Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus because he knew that they were willing learners. 
that they had listened to the word of God through the Apostle Paul, and catch this, that they were now able to take that information as a life transformation and pass it on to others. See, true discipleship doesn't just stop with the learning. True discipleship has its completion in the maturation of an individual who is able to take this information and all this stuff about the Lord and apply it to their lives in such a way as they're following Christ and then begin to share it with somebody else. I think that's indescribable for the church today. How many of us are learning, 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 learning? But we never get to that step where we're taking what we've learned and we're able to be used of the Lord in his power and his strength by his grace to pour it into the life of somebody else. We keep going to class after class after class. We come to church faithfully and praise God for it. But are we really learning if we're not able to take the information and understand it in such a way that our walk with God reflects it and that we're sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that when God puts people in our lives that need to be strengthened and solidified in what true Christianity really is, God uses us to encourage them and strengthen them. Or when God puts somebody in our lives that doesn't even know the Lord, or they've had all kinds of religious experiences, but they don't have a personal relationship with Christ, that we are able to be used of the Lord as conduits for his life in and through us in order to speak truth into their life so that they can have a meaningful encounter with the King of Kings. Priscilla and Aquila show their maturity by coming alongside of Apollos who was very skilled, very eloquent, very intelligent but was limited in his knowledge. And it shows that they had caught what the Apostle Paul had discipled them in and they were now able to come alongside of this tremendous individual and deepen him, solidify him in the faith. I love the fact that they invited him to their house. doesn't say that specifically. It's implied. They didn't stand up in the middle of the synagogue and go, Oh, Apollos, that's great, but boy, you, you don't get it yet. They didn't embarrass the guy. Take note of that. If you see something that's not exactly right, follow the pattern of Priscilla and Aquila. Take somebody to the side and say, Brother, maybe I'm wrong. But could I come alongside and help you in this? What does the word of God say about this? Right? And the other thing is, who are we talking about? Disciples. How do we know that Apollos was a true disciple? Because he was willing to listen. He was willing to listen. Priscilla and Aquila came to him, and in spite of all his learning, in spite of all who knows how many degrees the guy had, he went to their home, and he humbly received what they had to say. You know, I, I get the picture in my mind. It's not stated here, but on the road to Emmaus, when the Lord came alongside of those two disciples who were downhearted, they were upset. The Lord of glory had been crucified. All our hope is gone. And the Lord begins to share with them the word of God in the Old Testament and all the things concerning Jesus. What does it say about their hearts? They were burning within them. I have the feeling that Apollos, as the zealous individual, was probably uncontainable in that home with Priscilla and Aquila. Oh, that's what this means. Praise God. 
I get to be a part of this too. Praise the Lord. What an amazing truth. Later on in chapter 19, we find out that there were some disciples of John that Paul comes across in Ephesus. And they haven't heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They haven't heard of what happened at Pentecost. They haven't heard about the church. They don't know anything about it, just like Apollos. And what happens? They're not resaved. They've already believed in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they get baptized to show that they believe in the finished work of Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them with power. Folks, understand today that when we receive Christ Jesus for who he is, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We have the fullness of God dwelling within us. There's nothing that we're missing out on. Ephesians makes that clear, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In whom? In Christ. We're part of the church because of what God has done for us. What a beautiful picture of discipleship this is. What a beautiful picture of somebody who's a willing learner, wants to learn, but receives what the Word of God has to say. Because it is the Word of God that strengthens and deepens each and every one of us that are willing to listen. Verse 27, not only does the word strengthen and solidify, but it secures. I love this picture here because Apollos is strengthened. We're not told that he is baptized again. We're not told that the Spirit of God comes upon him. What we're told is that he had a limited amount of understanding and knowledge. And if we compare it to chapter 19, my sense is that Apollos now receives the Holy Spirit. He believes uh, because he's already believed. He's already believed in the coming of Christ. Now he gets to understand that this has already taken place. And as a result, he's baptized. He's identified in the finished work of Christ. And he's he's indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, what happens? The Christians give him a letter of recommendation to go to Achaia. Where had Paul just been? Where had Priscilla and Aquila just been? In Achaia, in Corinth. Apollos wants to go across to Achaia. The brethren encourage him and write to the disciples to welcome him. They give him a letter of reference. When he arrives there, he greatly helped those who had believed. Catch this. Through grace. Why did Luke put that there? Folks, I believe it's very specific why Luke put that there. Because that's what Apollos needed to be instructed in. It's through grace. It's not just how we receive Christ, it's how we now walk in him. Why do we emphasize grace all the time? Because it is the Lord Jesus Christ alone who's able to accomplish our salvation. Not only by bringing us to himself and saving us once and for all, but also the walk that we now have with him. It's by grace It's not by our works. It's not by our efforts. We can't boast in it, not only in coming to the cross, but now walking from the cross. We get to walk in the glory of all that God has done for us by grace. Who does Apollos go to help? The believers who have believed through grace. Oh, can you imagine being there at that point? I mean, if he was zealous in Ephesus, can you imagine what he would have been like in Corinth? Filled with the Holy Spirit. All the pieces of the puzzle coming together in such a way that he's never experienced before because the Holy Spirit is our teacher and instructor. 
And he understands now from a bigger picture the full program of God. And he's able to strengthen and help the believers who have believed through grace. What does it say? For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating, bringing to light by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. They had believed through grace, but they were still being attacked. There were still Judaizers there putting them down. Remember the council of Jerusalem? You don't have to be circumcised in order to become a Christian. Once you're a Christian, you don't have to be circumcised. You're not under the law anymore. You're under grace. So he begins to powerfully refute the Jews. And he shows them out of the Old Testament that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. We get to walk with him every day. He's come to live in our lives, and he empowers us to do through us what we can never do on our own. He changes us and transforms and renews our minds so that through us, his love is made manifest. Matthew 28, 19 makes it clear that we are to make disciples. Make disciples. That's the command. Go ye therefore, go in all the world, starting with out this door. And as you're going, that's not the command. Here's the command. Make disciples. Make disciples. Are we willing learners of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are our lives being transformed? What does discipleship involve? Let me give you a few thoughts on that as we close. Discipleship involves both evangelism and equipping. That's the banner. Make disciples. Do what? Baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and teaching them all that I've commanded you. It's both. It's evangelism and equipping. Discipleship involves people who are willing to listen, willing to learn for the sake of life transformation. We're not just talking about anybody. Great example of that is Corinth, where there were people who were taking unworthily of the Lord's Supper. They had turned it into a drunken feast. They had been warned over and over. They were believers, and because they had drawn a line with the Lord, they were no longer willing to grow in Christ. What, what did the Lord do? He took them home. He took them home. People willing to listen. Look for the people that want to grow. Look for the people that are hungry and thirsty. For the word of God, that are poor in spirit because of their sin, that desire to know Christ and pour into them and pray, God, that we are the same. Discipleship involves the word of God because the word of God is the only thing that changes anything. The word of God is what renews our minds. The word of God is what teaches us. If we're going to disciple people, we better understand the word of God and we better be being discipled by God through his word. Because it's out of that outflow, out of all the experiences, that we can come alongside of another and say, friend, let me encourage you in Christ. Let me share what my story is. Let me share what God's done in my life. Let me share with you how good God is. Don't be discouraged. God's sovereign over it. Discipleship involves a teacher or instructor Maybe somebody a little bit further down the path in maturity who's willing to impart their lives and scriptural knowledge into another. And discipleship 
involves a walk of faith. Trusting. Yes, Lord. Whatever you choose, Lord. Wherever you want to go, for whatever reasons you want to go there, doesn't matter. I'm just enjoying you along the way. Lord, all these circumstances, I'm troubled, but with thanksgiving, I lift them up to you and thank you for them because you're using them in my life to conform me and transform me into your image. Thank you. Thank you. Are we willing in that? Day by day, are we looking to the Lord to lead us, to guide us? Are we being renewed in our minds by the word of God? Are we spending time with the Lord in the word of God and in prayer? Are we vessels through which the life of Christ is being revealed in and through us? The way that we treat one another as a church body is a testimony to the world that Jesus Christ really is alive and that he is love. And are we willing to take that message wherever God wants us to go and share it with whoever God puts in our path in order to share it with? Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.